Welcome back to Tyrants on the Field. As always, I'm your host, Joe. Excited to be back on the airwaves. We've been doing a lot on the video scene. We have got the YouTube channel launched. That's right, you can now see Tyrants on the Field on YouTube. Very exciting. We have a whole bunch of battle reports covering the Black Tide campaign. Uh, we have more in the works. We are a little bit behind schedule uh, as to where I'd like to be, about two videos behind, but we do have them in the hopper and we are working through editing. Life has just gotten in the way, but let's be excited. Let us see what has come down the pipe in the time since we've talked. Well, technically a whole, whole lot of stuff has come down, including some of those brine blood marauders uh, we can now see in the app the uh, first Warcaster and their first two War Beasts. First War Beasts in Mark IV that have uh, multiple selections to them. Uh, and I have to say, rules-wise, I am very excited for where... Fury-based factions are going in Mark IV. If Brine Bloods is any indication, just take a look at their spell rack. And as soon as you see uh, what they have on that rack, you yourself will probably get very excited for the future and the possibility of other Fury-based factions in the Mark IV. So, super excited to be with you again tonight. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. We are going to have a full-blown discussion around buildings. Hot topic, uh, especially with the Welsh master, Masters having just finished up, and the talk of the town being the interaction of the guard tower with the steamroller format at the Welsh Masters. And what is very interesting is today also in the app, we got an update to the, to the rules on buildings specifically, and that building units in buildings, solos in buildings, no longer count towards contesting or scoring uh, from a steamroller perspective. So... A real quick sort of hot fix in that in that respect, but I want to talk deeper about buildings, discuss sort of the armchair quarterback bits around it. I know there's everybody's got an opinion on buildings. None of them are. I don't think there's anyone that feels that buildings are in, a, in the exact right spot right now, and I would probably put PP into that uh, into that headspace as well. That's why they're still continuing to take feedback around them. But I do think that they are something that is going to ultimately be a boon for the game. They are not there yet, but it's something we absolutely have to talk about. So grab yourself a beverage. We'll get right into it after a word from our sponsors. Yellow Snow presents... Real Cadorans of Genius. Real Cadorans of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Shock Trooper Gunner. Mr. Shock Trooper Gunner! 
Sure, you could have picked up a polearm and had one more defense. But you said, give me that spray gun. Let me shoot twice if I aim. I ain't holding your pole. You'll take repo two over armor pierce. Don't need no armor pierce. So crack open an ice cold yellow snow because you won't be cracking any armor over 20. Don't need it anyway, Mr. Shock Trooper Gunner. Bar, a real Kadoran of genius. Mr. Shock Trooper Gunner. Well, it looks like Yellow Snow will sponsor anybody now. So that's very exciting. All right, so let's get into our topic for this evening. It is the wonderful world of design and let's talk about terrain specifically the new terrain type that privateer press has been attempting to introduce and has been kind of stumbling with the ball a little bit throughout the process and the reason i say that is there has been a a big disconnect between what they have presented and sort of how the community has generally received it. And I can talk from my experience with these structures. And I think it mirrors a lot of the experience that uh, the community has had up until this point. And that is, there was a lot of excitement when the guard tower was first announced. The idea that Privateer Press would be making Uh, 3D terrain elements that would have interactive rules, hyper exciting. Um, Immediately doled out my cash for the guard towers, as I'm sure many, many of you did as well. And then over time, as the rules have kind of come out and some rules tweaks have come out since, my enthusiasm and desire to play with the guard tower on the table uh, in a competitive setting has lessened significantly. Now, with today's update, I am sort of neutral toward them. I'm still very high on the general concept of having 3D printed terrain from Privateer Press that is thematic and interesting and will eventually have the type of rules that I know Privateer Press is capable of. But it brings up an interesting point, an interesting pivot in their general design philosophy that I think is not intuitive for a big portion of the community, because it is a bit of a departure from where they were before, but it is truly embracing where they are at now in terms of their ability to maneuver the rule set with uh, a truly dynamic way of doing so because everything is now in the app. So with everything being centralized and everything being um, available for an update with uh, an instantaneous and simultaneous push of information and knowing that everybody would be playing in the same way, that opens up the ability to be much more in the vein of a software development company than a traditional miniatures development company. 
from a rule standpoint. The reason I say that is you have an opportunity here to very rapidly iterate and to change and to look at feedback and that feedback that's actionable and make some changes around it. And and that is honestly what, what Privateer has done um, throughout the course of this. Now, we can agree or disagree with what they've done, how they initially did it, where they're moving towards rule-wise, totally fine for all of that. That's part of a healthy discussion and healthy dialogue that ultimately will help us get to where we want to be with the rule set. I think part of the disconnect is there is a tradition in privateer presses games that terrain is an augmentator of models. It is not a replacer of models. And that is honestly what the building rules are doing in this edition, is they are the first terrain type that does not augment a model in the traditional sense. It sort of replaces that model unit on the field. It radically changes them. It replaces them and becomes, as currently written, much less interactable than we are generally used to with a very beefy stat line that is difficult based on the rules that are around it to remove from the game, which means you essentially can take a six point, seven point unit of guns, throw them into this guard tower, and they become just this turret of value that is going to require so much more effort and points allocation to remove from the game than it is to gain that advantage. And that is where there's a, a lot of heartburn and a lot of disconnect on these on this particular piece. And it doesn't feel good to to play against or to play as as the person that is owning the guard tower. So I have two that sit unpainted. Um, it was much more oppressive when these had an interaction in the scoring or contesting um, zone of influence. The fact that that has been removed as of today is a huge boon to the rule set. So that is where we are today. And that is a little bit of the journey of how we got here. So let's talk about the design itself. So we have the first time where we have a real effort going into the fact that they know that the rules are going to change at some point and a very heavy attempt to future-proof structures as much as possible so that if they add something, they don't have to automatically add something else to the guard tower. They want to be able to opt it into rules as opposed to exempt it from rules, which is a departure. Uh, because typically, again, terrain features augment models. They do not replace them. This conceptually replaces a model or a unit. 
on the board because it limits its, your ability to target it and limit your, limits your ability to use specific weapons against it, i.e. you're not making melee attacks against models in this. You're not making spray attacks against models in this. You can make ranged attacks and you can make non-spray ranged attacks and you can make AoE attacks. That is the attacks that you're limited to, to the, the models inside the guard tower. Otherwise, you are pounding on this thing from the outside with no charges, no ability to put uh, debuffing spells on it, none of that. So our traditional interaction, how we would remove a high armor, high value target, is gone. And that is where a lot of the heartburn and upset is in the community around this piece, not to mention the fact that it was something that a lot of people were hyped about. It's very interesting. We want to communally embrace 3D terrain elements. We want to embrace Privateer creating some of these 3D terrain elements that are thematic and interesting and make for really cool tables that get people visually interested in the game so that we can get more new players. The whole bit. So it's in everybody's interest that we get the rules for these right. And right now, I think we're closer to being right than we've been. We're still not in the, the right space because there's no satisfying interaction with this terrain feature as of today. And, and that really is the crux of, of my heartburn currently with it. Again, getting removing the ability to contest and to score from these, excellent. I think that is the correct right step. I am much more interested in these type of terrain features as being conceptually a, a super objective. Um, what I mean by that is... If you look at the old steamroller, you look at current steamroller, you had this objective concept where you had these 50 millimeter objects that were placed on the on the table. You had rules specific to them, but they were treated as models and you can debuff them, you can attack them, you can charge them. And that leads and then destroying them provide, at a certain time provided you uh, victory points. And I could see in a more terrain-centric version of Steamroller that having a hardened objective, a building, if you will, a structure, like a guard tower, being the object that you want to bring down in a, in a specific scenario would make sense as something that should be a hard target that is difficult but not impossible to remove from the table. And that that as an element that provided some victory points, some number of victory points, would make sense. And depending upon how you would balance that victory point amount would very much determine what you would want to end the rules on on it as because if it is very easy to remove 
it should be worth very little victory points. If it is difficult to remove, then it should be worth more victory points. Makes sense, but that's all part of your balancing act as you're building scenarios and building a scenario packet. So for me, that, that's sort of my headspace when I think long-term about these type of objects. Something you could do with them, maybe not something you should do with them, but it's something you could definitely do, and it's something I could see doing as a potential option, where, you know, instead of a traditional objective, you have these hardened objectives that, let's say, are not worth one point, but are worth two points, for sake of argument, where, yes, it's going to be harder to get rid of, but it's going to be uh, a big reward if you're able to do it. And then it may be worth committing the forces required to do such a thing because of the advantage that you can gain from a scenario perspective. So again, just a little tidbit, a nugget to think about while we're talking through structures. So why would you want a rule that allowed you to replace a unit or solo on the table with something else. Why would that be interesting and something to do when no terrain has ever done that before for Privateer? All other terrain modifies a model. It is not a model. This is something that does some modification to models. You know, it grants some elevation. It grants additional range on your range attacks. It prevents other types of attacks on the models inside. But ultimately, it is something that is attacked itself and has a presence on the on the world itself. And because it be makes something so hardy, essentially replacing the stat line, or effectively replacing the stat line of the models inside with this Defense 5 Armor 20 40 box monster with a, what is effectively Carapace, though it is not a model, so you can't call it Carapace, it's plus four armor against range attacks, you have this giant non-interactable thing on the table. And it seems that the, the design team want to have the ability to have this thing that sort of replaces a model or models on the table that has some features of terrain and some features of a model without letting everything that happens to a model happen to this by default. Because there's a whole world of interaction that you have to account for if it becomes a model. And there's a whole world of interaction that you have to account for if it doesn't become a model. So it's this weird hybrid. So there's this whole world of interactions that you have to account for that the rules don't really support in one way or another. And so we've had a lot of back and forth 
between the community and the developers on this because there's a lot, oddly enough, that interacts with models and interacts with terrain. And when you create a sort of a hybrid object, there's a lot of corner cases in that hybrid that were never present in either case before because the rules for models and the rules for terrain were up to this point very clear in terms of how they interact with each other. This is the first time we've had this, this sort of hybrid situation that creates additional complications. It's not to say that that's bad. It's different. It's something new. It's something that we're trying. It's something that PP is trying. And so I want to go to why one would need this conceptually. And the first thing that I think of is, well, if I wanted to effectively replace a model on the field without replacing the model fully, this type of structure enables me to do, no pun intended, it's on structure, these, this type of rule set would allow me to do something like a Kadoran bombard cannon or giant bombard cannon uh, like they did a billion years ago in Mark I where you could effectively, again, conceptually, you would have this piece of terrain that is a structure that follows these new building rules with habitable where they would give up their attacks and their stat profile while they're inside of it and you would have a giant bombard cannon that you would then be able to use that unit's activation to fire again totally not a thing yet or at all but conceptually these are the type of things i would think would be why you'd want to have sort of this hybrid design where you had the ability to not just manipulate the stat line, but effectively remove the model as targetable from the table so that you can have these sort of weapon platforms where they can launch and interact and you can interact against them. So that's the first thing I, I think of when I think about why this type of structure would be necessary. The other thing is you don't want to have to revise terrain rules every time you release or tweak a model. Traditionally, uh, terrain rules are fairly set. They tend to be core to a, the game and the and, and an, in, within an addition. This is, the this is their first time where they're expanding the types of terrain that we have. So let's think about the introduction of hazards. Uh, so hazards are a concept where they're a modification to a terrain type. They do something else to models that are in terrain that was not traditionally done. They do, they do essentially damage to them in, in some way or form, and they cause harm where terrain really wasn't causing harm before in a, in a general sense. So this is sort of a next evolution of terrain where you have 
the essentially a stat line that is going to limit the types of attacks that can be done to itself and be done to the, the contents inside. Neat, interesting. It, it would be in the line of a fortification that, yes, it, it logically should cause some attacks to become less effective against it. It should help protect the people inside. Otherwise, why, why or the, you know, the, the models inside. Otherwise, why would they go in there? And it should present a difficulty to the opposing army. That's, that's traditionally what uh, fortifications do, and it did. So all of that checks the boxes. Where, where you get some immediate disconnect is spray attacks, again. And I come from a lot of other games, played a lot of other games. Generally, spray attacks have worked into fortifications. It's sort of a natural counter. You, you've, you've burned the things that are inside the fortification. They're a nice condensed area. If the flames don't get you, the uh, lack of oxygen that the flames are going to eat in the in the environment will. Not how they work in Mark IV. Fine. However you want to do it, that is fine. It is a little bit of a... Co there's a, Again, you're fighting against the natural tendency of, of human beings here and the established game language when you're doing this. So you can do it, absolutely. But there is... A bit of going to be a bit of natural pushback that you get when you do this type of thing because it doesn't make sense to people that have played war games for a very long time or have played multiple other war games because it's sort of coded into our brain fortification use a spray to burn what's inside makes sense well not in Mark Four okay. Fine. I can I can live with that one. I can live with that one. It's weird, but I can live with it. Where my heartburn was mostly was in the, the scoring portion. Where it is now is the fact that we have... When a building is occupied, the level of commitment you need to bring that building down is too much juice for there's is is too little juice for the squeeze so essentially you're you're allowing a six point unit to effectively trade up for two heavies worth to reliably bring down that structure without a a real reward for it at this point so if I, I have to trade two heavies to bring down the object. So how could we how could we mitigate that and how could we make it better? Uh, within the context of the rules where we're not opening it up to too much and it's intuitive and easy for newer players. It's intuitive and easy for veterans. My my preferred solution would be if this is truly uh, what it appears to be conceptually, which is sort of this terrain feature model hybrid, it should act as a terrain feature when it's unoccupied. When it is occupied, 
it should become a model and we should be able to target it with spells we should be able to receive a charge bonus against it or at the very least we should be able to have when occupied uh, warjacks should receive an additional die against the structure automatically and siege weapons should work against it i am fine with removing the charge bonus from infantry i i, I saw a brilliant post today in, in one of the threads where they listed out i i think some really good tenants of how you could fix fix it without it needing to be a model and if you went down this road this would be this would be my my preference if you if you decided not to make it a model although making it a model when it's occupied is is my personal preference this is somebody else's idea i i think it's wonderful and, and interesting which is you give an additional die of damage to warjacks all the time against structures you give you, you're not allowed to charge them but you give that ability because a warjack instinctually should be good against fortifications otherwise there'd be fortifications everywhere you know it'd be the only thing you'd build would be fortifications because the warjacks can't get past them infantry should lose a die against structures i'm sorry they should be allowed to be charged but they the infantry should remove a die um of damage against buildings so that on a charge they're only plus two dice unless they're weapon masters and then it's three so as opposed to four so that that would be helpful so in, in summation there's a lot of ways that privateer press can continue to evolve structures and can continue to evolve these things like guard towers and bunkers and i hope they continue to make buildings and make interesting buildings and, and try to do interesting things with them i i just think that we have to collectively take a little bit of a breath and just need to understand that there's going to be some growing pains around these type of new rules interactions where you're doing something radically different for the first time it's going to allow for some potentially really interesting things coming down the pipe at some point uh, at least the way that i see it and why we would want to structure something in this manner from a from a design standpoint it lets you do more interesting things on both sides because you don't have to continually tweak the item as you expand uh, new things into the game you're going to have to tweak it while you're getting it into the game because it behaves very differently than anything else that you've had previously so because of those things it's it's been structured in the way that it has and you can agree with that you can disagree with that but that's just the reality of what privateer has done with defenses to this point 
Now, what I'd like to see going forward is I'd like to see continued experimentation. I'd like to see continued refinement. But I would like to see a real understanding of how buildings are sort of looked at long view from privateer. Because um, obviously they're, they're, they're just establishing them now, but I'd like to know where they want to go with them. Are they going to be part of um, the, steamro the, the steamroller packet going forward in a way that makes sense that is not going to cause a lot of ripples and waves because I find them interesting. I have two guard towers. I want to get them painted up. I'd like to get them on the table, but I'd like to do so in a way where it's going to be interesting and fun to play with and play against. And and that's really what you ideally want from a neutral terrain feature. It should be something that's interesting and changes the game slightly. You know, it's it's a cool bit of interaction. And the key word there is interaction. That's what makes terrain interesting and fun is how it interacts with models and how we interact with it. So having some destructible terrain that provides some benefits to models and changes some of the targeting rules is interesting. What's not interesting is when it changes the majority of the targeting rules such that it is very difficult to remove the the thin candy infantry inside. And and that is the part where I would like to see some refinement, some additional refinement, so that this can really become something that people want to use, are interested in. Because I, I'll tell you flatly, I did not buy bunkers. I, I did not buy bunkers. It was not something I was going to put additional money into. Because, one, the rules were not uh were not there and two the the aesthetic was not something that i'm enjoying uh as much as i enjoyed the aesthetic of the guard tower so we'll see what the next piece is we'll see if uh, i jump into it or not who knows still excited for the game very excited um for the orgoth expansion to be coming out here in a couple of weeks uh, excited to get my hands on my axers and my rocks and my Volkers and a whole new level of Orgothian oppression uh, ready to come on the field just like us tyrants. Please be sure to like and subscribe. Please be sure to check out our YouTube if you have not. We have a bunch of battle reports up there. Please subscribe to that. We're trying to get to 100 subscribers. We're 16 away. Uh, appreciate each and every one of you. This will also go up on that YouTube page if you're already a subscriber. Thank you. Tell your friends to subscribe. We've got more videos coming very shortly. Thanks again, everybody. Drive safe.